you know it, you tolerate it, you're here for three episodes, so you might maybe like it, I guess. Welcome to episode three of Road Ramblings, the part of the show where Steven decides to just randomly talk into nothingness while he drives on a really long road trip. Still the same road trip as the first two episodes because Steven is bored. Steven gets tired of listening to stuff for six hours, so this time Steven does what he does best. Talk about absolutely nothing to nobody. Alright, so today we're going to talk about cars because you know what? I really like this format. I'm toying with the idea of making this the permanent format of this show because it gives me the structure that I need to be able to uh, to talk about the things that I want to talk about. It keeps it fun while still keeping it, you know, on, on enough serious notes. There's an equal amount of fun things as there are positive or negative things that I want to talk about as well. So uh, let me know if you guys want me to keep this as the permanent format of the show, and I will uh, change this format to just doing... And if you haven't heard the format of this show yet, I do one thing that I don't like, two things that I do like or that are good things because I think we should be more grateful than we complain, and three things that are just there for fun. All right, so today we're going to talk about cars. Everybody's got, well, okay, not everybody, but most people in the U.S. have cars, have driven cars, will drive cars, so on and so forth. You've probably had a few cars by this point. By the way, again, as always, sorry if it's a little noisy. I am driving and don't have any noise cancellation stuff. Um, So, first thing, we always do a fun thing to start off with, and then we follow up with a good thing. Alright, so, fun thing. The first car, not my first car, but the first car that my dad and I looked at to see if it would be my first car. And I believe that we saw this listing on Craigslist. We were looking for something cheap. My first car, uh, we noticed just kind of like sitting out and it had a a price tag on it. I forget how much it was listed for. I think it was listed for like uh, $2,400, $2,600. And I'll get back to that in a a little while because I'll I'll tell you a story about um, my first car. Uh, But the first car that my dad and I looked at Oh boy. So we saw it and it was listed like really cheap, like way under our price range. We found out why. We pulled in and immediately as soon as we pulled into where we were, we were like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So we pulled out into like this, like just off of the interstate, like trailer park area. It was, it was, it was very sketchy and very weird. And uh, as we pull up, it's a very, very, very bumpy road. We pull in in my dad's car. We get out. We meet the people. Definitely method hillbillies. So they show us the car, and it's like it's like this weird, like little, like hatchback thing. And it looks old, but I didn't care how it looked. At least I thought. They gave us the keys so that we could drive it around a little bit. I opened that door. I looked in and I said, oh, so this car was hit on a drug bust. All of the paneling had been ripped out. There were exposed wires. The seats had been cut open. The thing was in the biggest wreck that it could possibly have been in. But of course, that doesn't say anything about the rest of the car, right? Yes, it does. It 100% does tell you something about the rest of the car. All right, so 
we we turn on the car and we hear this sound. So it's making that sound the entire time that the car is running. We drive it down the bumpy road. We hear things clattering around on the inside. And every time we hit the gas, we hear this sound. We very quickly knew that we were not getting this car. And I am very happy to say that was the worst car that we ever looked at. We never saw a car again that was that bad. All right, so on to a good thing. Oh, gosh, what did I think that my good thing was? Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, so my first good thing, I had heard for a while that um, mechanics sometimes will uh, fix things for you that you didn't need fixed, and they'll do that just to make you get extra money. Like, I've heard this, I've, I've heard these stories of these, like, greedy mechanics who fix things that you didn't ask to be fixed and whatnot. Um, I mean, you know the, you know the general type. Uh, that's why uh, oftentimes when you get a car fixed, they tell you to uh, ask specifically for them to call you back before they make any changes and why uh, you always look over the receipt and you have the receipt with you and you double-check everything they do. I can honestly say, of all the mechanics that uh, that I've used, I don't think I've ever had that problem. The first mechanic that I had for vehicles was uh, church members for my parents' church. And, I mean, they always took care of us. They squeezed us in whenever they could. Um, whenever we were looking for my first car, they, they were always like... Just bring in the car. We'll take a look at it. We'll give it a test drive. We'll see how it feels and tell you if uh, this would be a good car for you to get or not. And they and they did. And they they helped us narrow it down very easily to what ended up being my first car. Uh, they fixed it up very quickly and very cheaply. They always took care of us. My second mechanic was when I was up at college. And at first I was worried because, you know, I'd still been hearing all of these things and still wasn't sure if I could trust just any random mechanic that I'd met. And uh, I was having this major issue with a car. Um, the same car. And so what they told me was that the CV axle was uh, causing an issue and that I needed to get it fixed very soon. It, They said that it wasn't at the point that it needed to be an immediate fix, but that it needed to be taken care of or else the car was going to be broken down on the side of the road. And I was like, all right, I've never used you guys before and you're telling me right now that there's a major issue going on with the car. I want to get this double checked. So I called my dad and he cleared out a spot with our our mechanic, you know, other church members. So we brought it down. And I had to leave it for a period of time, and they were going to bring it up to me. So I went back up to... I, I got a ride back up to school. And uh, my dad called me a little bit later. And he said, you can keep your mechanic. He, he was right. And they took care of it. They fixed it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. And so after that, like, they took really good care of me. Just as good a care as uh, as the church members did. They were, they were great. I still recommend them if you're in the... Uh, in the Cleveland, Georgia area, or even in, around in Gainesville, Georgia, ARI, love them. They took very good care of me the entire time that I lived in Cleveland. 
All right, so the next fun thing. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you guys of my... Eh, probably all of you do. What, who am I kidding? I know I know all of you in my audience. So uh, we got a Greyhound dog. His name's Atomic, and he is wonderful. And he is uh, big. His head cups, comes up to my hips. He's a big dog. So we have to have cars that he can fit in. Which, you know, we, we, we do. We have two cars. Um, the Nissan Sentra that we have, surprisingly, has just enough room for him to be able to comfortably get in and out. And also, enough room for him to jump in the front seat. But only enough room for him to jump in the front seat. So if I open up my door so I can unlock his door, this doofus will jump into the front seat. Which means the entire front seat is taken up and it's got the arm, you know, you know, it's got all the stuff in the middle, like the gear shift, so he can't lay down or anything. He can't turn around. And I know this dog, if he feels like he's unsafe, he will panic. And if he panics, he will hurt himself and maybe me. So I finally get him to calm down so that I can go to the other side of the car because there's, there's no getting him to back up. He's too big for that. There's no getting him to turn around. He's too big for that. So I have to get him to calm down enough that I either go to the other door and let him out through that way or one time he was freaking out too much that I had to crawl into the front with him making almost no room to where if I budge the wrong way I honk the horn if I budge the other way I honk him by accident and open up the door from the inside while holding on to his leash so that he can jump out of the car and not accidentally run off into the... This dog, he's... I love him, but he's special. (coughs) All right. So, yeah, I still don't have water, and I'm still being stupid and talking. Um, So the thing that I don't like... There is a myth out there that you're always going to have a car payment that throughout the rest of your life you're always at least going to have one, maybe two car payments Um, and that's just going to be a fact of life. You're always going to have car debt. This is wrong and this is stupid. My wife and I have never had car debt. We have never had car debt. We have bought used vehicles and even though used vehicles are a pain in the butt sometimes they are right now. We've got a a 2003 Chevy Trailblazer that can't decide if it wants to live or if it wants to die. Right now it's deciding it wants to live. Um, And the reason we get used cars is because we don't have the money to get a, a newer car. And usually the people who tell you that you are always going to have car debt, they're usually the people who always buy new cars. Like fresh off the lot new cars. But there's so much issue with that and you're just getting into debt over something that might not work. I've seen these people buy fresh off the lot cars and the car ends up being a lemon. That's an even worse position than buying a used car where you already know the problem with it. And plus, if you get yourself into debt, you're having to do these payments every week or not every week, every month. You're having to do payments every month and for some people, your car payment is about the same as your rent. What was it? A couple of years ago, 
I think it was two years ago, the average car payment was $600. That's $150 short of what my wife and I are paying for rent right now. If we had to pay two rent payments every single month, we couldn't afford to do what we're doing right now. I'd have to, like like we'd have to I'd have to get a second job. I mean, we're trying to pay for school and car repairs and um, everything else that we're doing. If we had to pay a secondary rent on top of what we're doing right now, there's no way. Something would have to be given up. We we. Um, We'd have to severely change our eating habits. Uh, where it sits right now, because we don't have car payments, and we don't have... We, we just have paying for school. We're able to afford to do a little bit of fun stuff every once in a while. We're able to enjoy our money and save. Like we do... Right now, since we're paying off our, our school stuff, uh, we're only really able to save a little bit for retirement each month. But once we're done paying for school stuff we can automatically start saving money to replace a car and to, uh, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? And to start saving up for a house payment. Like, we'll have that money flexibility, but we wouldn't if we had two car payments. Even if the car is better, can you imagine having to go from, like, take our position right now, where we have uh, $750 that goes to our rent. Can you imagine if we had $1,200 for two car payments on top of that? There, we, we would have to go into debt for school. Then we'd be in debt for school on top of being in debt for cars. That's not, that's not logical or feasible. Why, when, until you get to the point where you can buy a good car, because when we bought the, the car that I'm driving right now, the Sentra, we were in a good place and we had we had uh, $5,000 that we were able to just save up and spend. And we were able to get a discount. We were able to get a $600 discount because we could pay with cash right away. We could guarantee them. They had somebody else that was wanting to place a bid but they were going to have to take out a loan for it. We said, dude, we can pull uh, $4,900 out of the bank right now and pay you in cash. And they gave the card to us for $600 less than what they were going to give it to the other people for. Buy a decent used car to get you through the rough season. That's what we're doing right now. We've got the Sentra, which has been a very reliable vehicle for a long time and is still reliable. And then we got the Trailblazer, which is getting us through until we can get to the point that we can afford to replace it with a much better car. Do what you need for right now, and then get what you want when you have the money for it. All right, that's the thing that I don't like. The other thing that I do like, I want to tell you guys uh, car memories. Well, I've got, I'm going to try to wrap this up in a few minutes. My first car was a 1989 Buick LeSabre. That car is still my favorite car that I've ever driven. I love the way that the Buick drives. Oh my gosh. And right now, <coughs> I don't have it anymore because um, it had seen a lot of highway miles uh, by the time that we had gotten rid of it. And 
it, it was about to see the end of its highway days. So now my family has it. They use it as an in-town car, and it works really well for them. Um, but man, that car saw me through a lot. And uh, we used to call it the couch tank because it was uh, built like a tank, but it had like couch cushions on the inside. It had those those nice little like pillow top seats. If you if you've ever had an older car, you know what I'm talking about. Those nice pillow top seats that are super comfortable feel like you could lay down and take a nap in the back trust me i have it's nice so we called it the couch tank and um my wife used to be a little embarrassed by it because uh we started dating when uh when i was freshly graduated from there and an employee and she was getting ready to wrap up her degree and so she'd get a little embarrassed when I'd pull up to the dorm in my in my nice little 89 gray peeling paint Buick LeSabre. But that car was like, for its age, insanely reliable. I mean, that car's what? A um, little over 30, coming up on 35 years old now. That car right there, that, that was... That was an incredibly reliable vehicle, and I'm glad that it still is with my family. Um, man, what a car. So, little homework for you. Share me, share with me something in the comments, uh, wherever you see this. Uh, share with me about uh, your first car. Tell me some of the things that you remember about your first vehicle. All right, I got one more fun thing to close. This is back, goes to my college days. Uh, I think I was an employee at the time. I think I, I, was, I was either graduated or I was killing myself over being a full-time student and full-time employee. Oh, that was fun. Um, I was... Uh, this was with my boss, who I was telling you guys about last time. He, uh, <laughs> he was telling... He didn't have to tell me. I saw the aftermath of it. There was one of his students in his program. He was in the criminal justice program. One of his students. I can't remember if, like, the brakes failed or if she just put the car into the wrong gear. But she was up at the top of the hill. And at the bottom of the hill was one of the dormitories. I forget if she put it in neutral or if she accidentally put it in drive. And didn't realize it. And this car rolled all the way downhill square into the side of the dormitory. She was fine. The dorm was fine, but there was this giant hole where this car was that went right into one of the rooms. Oh, it was beautiful. There were pictures of it, and poor girl never lived it down, but, I mean, that's everybody, everybody who was there and everybody for a few years after remembers the story of the girl who drove her car into the garrison dormitory. So, okay, bye.